This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We uh, mentioned on last week's show we were going to try and talk to one of the co-authors of Web of Conspiracy. We were not able to make that happen, so we'll talk to one of those gentlemen on next week's program, which affords us the opportunity on today's show to do what we like to do, which is play catch-up. We're going to have some follow-up on our last week's talk with Tom Moon about his uh, book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, with some local input from KDVS DJs and a few other friends. I want to thank those of you who are continuing to send in emails as regarding our listener survey. We remain very keen to hear from you, so please, please, if you haven't done so already, send us a note and tell you where you're listening to us from. One big surprise so far is to learn how many people are listening on the web via podcasts. We want to especially uh, thank James, who sounded off last week from Lake Isabella, answering, I believe, a question we posed about a pioneering effort in gliding done in Lake Isabella, I guess, what, 100 years ago? Anyway, it's nice to have uh, questions like that cleared up. The question was, where is Lake Isabella? Turns out the answer is 40 miles east of Bakersfield. Uh, James noted he was living in Lake Isabella, meaning the town, not the lake, which apparently is a reservoir and emptying fast in our, uh, in our drought season. But anyway, for the third time out of four, please send us an email at info at radioparallax.com, letting us know where you heard us. Let's start the show as we like to do with On This Date in History. Our date today is the 25th of September. It was on September 25th in 1697 that England's Banishment Act required all Catholic clergy to leave the realm by May 1st. On September 25th in 1913, English actor Charlie Chaplin, age 24, signed his first movie contract with Keystone for $175 a week beginning his meteoric rise to fame. Just three years later, he was raking in $10,000 a week from Mutual Studios. And on the 25th of September in 1957, racial integration finally began in Little Rock, Arkansas, as U.S. Army paratroopers escorted nine black students through the doors of all-white Central High School. And yes, President Eisenhower had to send in paratroopers, special forces, to guarantee the safety of the black students attending high school. Well, as far as we know, they didn't hit the silk, you know, jumping into the high school. Our quote of the day comes from Barack Obama, who said, If you think those lobbyists are working day and night for John McCain just to put themselves out of business, well then, I've got a bridge to sell you up in Alaska. And our quip of the day comes from Sarah Palin, weighing in on Barack Obama's not choosing Hillary Clinton. She said, I think he's regretting not picking her now. I do. What determination and grit and even grace. Yes, seems no matter where you turn in the Republican Party now, they have nothing but good things to say about Hillary Clinton. And why, doggone it, she'd have been such a good choice for the vice presidency. But no, Obama had to go and pick Joe Biden. Luckily, the Republicans are willing to go with a woman. Our stat of the day comes from the AP, noting the number of countries left in the world where all women, both native and foreigners, are not allowed to drive. That would be one. Our valiant ally, the nation of Saudi Arabia, 
a nation featuring prominently in not one, but two wars against Iraq in the past 17 years. And I guess what we're going to call uh, our joke of the day today comes uh, from Radar Magazine, the follow-up we promised you on uh, what's been titled Curriculum of Dunces, part of Radar's article titled Bad Education, their annual semi-scientific guide to the worst colleges in America. And I'm sad to report that uh, the UC system, considered by many to be the world's foremost uh, system of public education, uh, features rather prominently in this choice of curriculum of dunces. Magazine notes that as academic standards continue to decay, professors are loading the menu with junk food. Behold, the stupidest college courses in the nation. Let's start with UC Berkeley, which likes to advertise that it's had, that it's had 44 Nobel Prize laureates. At Berkeley, they're offering a course titled Arguing with Judge Judy, Popular Logic on TV Judge Shows, noted the magazine. Nothing says academic rigor quite like the hallowed chambers of Judge Judy's plywood courtroom set. The crotchety gavel crackers syndicated daytime TV show serves as the source material for this rhetoric seminar. Although we assume her best-selling book, Don't Pee on My Leg and Tell Me It's Raining, will make for fascinating supplemental reading. How about this choice from UC Irvine? An accredited college course titled, So, You Want to Be a Star? On offer is an in-depth look at the many career paths, vocations, and jobs that exist both in front of and behind the curtain in the exciting world of the performing arts. Students are taught to approach fame as if it were an actual career choice. And rounding out a trio of UC selections, we have one from UC Davis titled True Lies, Satirical News Reporting 101. Magazine noted that the Facebook generation may get their news from The Daily Show, but even Jon Stewart finds that fact unsettling. Now, collegiates are being encouraged to study fake news, which seems to the magazine kind of like a fake education. Close analysis of episodes of SNL's Weekend Updates and articles from The Onion are supposed to reveal how satire has shaped our culture. Well, we have to admit, we have mixed feelings about this compared to Radar Magazine. We like to do a little satire on this show from uh, time to time. And we certainly like to adopt uh, some of the same smart-alecky attitudes you find on uh, SNL and The Onion. So we're not going to be too critical of UC Davis on that one. And close with uh, a college course titled Finding Dates Worth Keeping. This comes from the University of Sioux Falls. You know, I think it's high time they taught a class like that. Described as a seminar intended for college-age adults aged 18 to 23, wanting relationships and dating success, the class promises to, quote, help you assess your personality style and compatibility needs and improve your dating experience, end quote. While there's no mention of textbooks, studying, or exams in the course description, there is, apparently, homework. Actually, this is a pretty darn good article in Radar Magazine, and we're not through mining it yet. We'll delve into the text of, uh, of bad education uh, in the weeks to come. But you know, the issue of fake news is important. Uh, what, what, what constitutes news? Uh, this correspondent was observing that uh, on one day last week, the three magazines that we rely on the most to produce this show every week all arrived in the mail. They are The Week magazine, originating in the UK, New Scientist magazine, originating in the UK, and The Economist magazine, originating in the UK. 
Why do we have to rely on British publications? Well, maybe it's because, uh, you know, Time magazine on August 25th presented the public with the following, quote, news, unquote. Entire page of the magazine titled, 10 Questions. The Oscar winner seduces audiences in Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Javier Bardem will now take your questions. At any rate, we're not overly concerned about Javier Bardem's answer to the question of whether he's worried about being typecast. So anyway, that's why time doesn't feature more prominently in this broadcast. In fact, we take articles like this and just... All right, let's hit the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for brilliant insights after Lynn Spears said in an interview that it probably wasn't such a good idea to turn her daughter, Brittany, into an international sex symbol at age 15. Said Spears, it's kind of like Brittany was sent out into the world a bit prematurely. Gee, you think? And it was definitely a bad week last week for Mickey Mouse after a Saudi Arabian cleric denounced the beloved Disney character as one of, quote, Satan's soldiers, unquote, who is trying to trick Muslim children into loving mice. According to Islamic law, Mickey Mouse should be killed in all cases, said Sheikh Mohammed Munajid. Now, we don't profess to have any expertise in the area of Sharia law. But we do feel the need to point out to Sheikh Mohammed Munajid that Mickey Mouse is a cartoon character which will make a jihad against him somewhat problematic. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for aviation when it was revealed that an XL airline flight from Orlando to London that was taxing for takeoff with 260 passengers aboard suddenly stopped and turned around. The passengers were informed that XL Airlines had just gone out of business and were ordered to exit immediately onto the tarmac where they were left stranded. Boy, and I was complaining a few weeks back about the rough go I had trying to fly home from Europe. Holy mackerel. And now we have no information as to whether first class was allowed to depart the aircraft first and foremost. And here's an item that, uh, from the miscellaneous file that we cannot resist. In a letter to the editor at New Scientist, it was noted that the man named Jamie Tamagnini was trying to order a computer online from Dell. He apparently got as far as entering his delivery address when he was confronted with this. Dell Computer Corporation is a U.S. corporation and is therefore subject to all U.S. export laws and regulations. In view of this, please answer the following four questions for U.S. export compliance purposes. Three relatively unremarkable questions followed before this humdinger. Number four. Will the product or products be used in connection with weapons of mass destruction, i.e. nuclear applications, missile technology, or chemical or biological weapons purposes? Yes or no? None of the editors of the magazine, surely only an experienced terrorist or other warmonger would have the guile to sidestrep this cunning trap. The editors said they were tempted to tick yes on this order form to see what happened, but then decided they really didn't dare because they provided a real address. This reminds me of the anecdote about Groucho Marx coming through customs once, a long time ago. When the famous comedian thought it would be amusing to mark under the box, (laughs) 
questioning occupation, well, he thought it'd be funny to put the word smuggler in there. But said he discovered after four hours of questioning that the customs and immigration people really have no sense of humor about that sort of thing. I'd like to note a few things by way of follow-up. We talked to author William Poundstone a few months back about his book, uh, Big Secrets, in which he probed the mysteries of, uh, of uh, luncheon meats. Well, according to the Associated Press, with food prices up sharply, spam is making a comeback. Sales of the much-mocked canned meat are up 9% since the beginning of this year, according to corporate parent Hormel. Speaking of food, we were delighted to note that uh, the keynote speaker at the Harlan II Symposium at UC Davis on uh, biodiversity and agriculture, that would be Dr. Gary Nabin, was interviewed uh, by us for this show last week. I'm not sure when we will bring you that interview, but it will be not too far off. But not three days after he recorded uh, Dr. Nabum, he appeared on Ira Flato's Science Friday to talk about a book he's written about chili peppers. I must say, it was a very cool moment to listen to Science Friday last uh, last week. And note that in the first hour, uh, two of the four guests had appeared on this program. That would be Dr. William Hartman of the Planetary Science Institute and Steve Squires, the chief investigator for the um, Mars rover missions. Since we've actually interviewed Ira Flato himself, that meant that of the five people talking, well, three have been on this show. Kind of a happy thing for us. We also want to note the, the coverage in the media about the 10,000-pound offer to prove that homeopathy works, being offered by our guest of two weeks ago, science author Simon Singh and his co-author Edzard Ernst, regarding their book Trick or Treatment. The challenge is out there to homeopaths. Put up or shut up. Oh, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about helping a friend of mine uh, with uh, this person's homework, setting out to get an MBA, where I think I, I mentioned to you, dear listener, about the what appeared to be just shoddy scholarship of this you know, so-called study material, which I think itself deserves a, a place in the curriculum of dunces. Anyway, I had offered a bunch of just tripe to, to the, this person writing up their... Uh, their uh, take-home test and just said, you know, this is the biggest bunch of bull I've come up with all month. Let's see how it goes over with your professors. Well, I'm happy or maybe I'm sad to report that the tripe that I suggested she use earned her an A+. I think I also mentioned one point that the author of this, this, this terrible, terrible article had interviewed CEOs and asked them uh, what their key to their success was, and they'd all replied, dumb luck. Well, I had to get a laugh out of, uh, out of the article in New Scientist last week about the fact that the dinosaurs reign on Earth of 135 million years during the Jurassic and Cretaceous periods is uh, somewhat of a mystery. About 250 million years ago, the, uh, the dinosaurs or prototype dinosaurs were up against the Crutosaurans, whose only dis living descendants today are the crocodiles and alligators. Apparently, an examination by Steve Brousset at the American Museum of Natural History in New York and Mike Benton at Bristol University in the UK took a look at the two fossils, how they evolved, and decided the, the dinosaurs got ahead by dumb luck. Or at least they couldn't come up with a better idea. We do enjoy the comparison between dinosaurs and MBA students. And yes, we'll, we'll talk about the meltdown of the U.S. economy in our second segment here. But some other follow-up, not necessarily follow-up, but interesting sort of dovetailing on what we try and do on this program was the, uh, the piece in the Sacramento Bee, as usual, on A12, page A12, which is where you usually find the best uh, news. 
a reprint from the New York Times by uh, Leslie Wayne looking at the electoral map, which is, after all, how we elect our presidents. We've raised the possibility on this show over and over again that a lot of spin goes into this sort of data presentation, and unfortunately, the article by Leslie Wayne appears to be no exception. According to their electoral map, Barack Obama's got 202 electors. John McCain's got 216 with 120 up for grabs. The thing is, 40 or 50 of those up-for-grab states are ones that have voted blue in the past and are likely to do so in November. By presenting it this way as a dead heat, we think, uh, well, we just, we just have our suspicions that there's, there's some spin involved here. We think it's going to be close on Election Day, but uh, the way it looks right now, Barack Obama still has a lead in the Electoral College. And if you're wondering how it is that this administration, a Republican administration, with its successes in economic policy, energy policy, social issues, the, uh, the foreign wars that are going on, tax policy, Supreme Court appointments, uh, if you're wondering why it is they're still in the game and it's close, well, you wouldn't be alone. And uh, have you puzzled over the fact that the Iraq war has disappeared? Just not being talked about too much, even though we're spending $3 billion a week on the war, which we should remind you is a preemptive war, an aggressive war. We were the attacker. We attacked a nation that did not attack us. I think it's good to recall that now and again. Well, Bob Woodward, who's coming to the Sacramento area early next year, um, has a new book out, The War Within, A Secret White House History, 2006 to 2008. Most of the coverage of this book, like the war itself, was pretty bland, but uh, there's one little zinger in there that just didn't get a whole lot of notice. Bob Woodward has concluded that the uh, dramatic drop in violence in Iraq, which has taken place over the past few months, is really not the result of the U.S. troop surge, but uh, is more the result of a secret U.S. assassination program. Woodward reported that the U.S. military is conducting a secret operation to locate and kill insurgent leaders, including the so-called al-Qaeda in Iraq. Woodward's interviews with people, uh, well, it it challenges the assertion of the administration that the surge and cooperation from Sunni tribal leaders has spurred this decline in in attacks. Reportedly, National Security Advisor Stephen Hadley has confirmed the existence of this program, which remains highly classified. He uh, disputes Woodward's claim that it led to a fall-off in violence. Something else didn't get a lot of publicity. Uh, Woodward reported that a secret study for the Joint Chiefs of Staff in 2006 concluded that the U.S. was, in fact, losing the war. George W. Bush, of course, gave no hint of that in public, saying instead, absolutely, we're winning. We're winning, and we will win, unless we leave before the job is done. He would again ask in the ramp-up to an election, how do you define winning, and what are your plans to achieve that goal? Because... uh, we're not hearing that, are you? Let's, uh, let's take a short break and note to, as we go to break that the, the uh, Sacramento River Cats apparently won the Triple A Championship of uh, professional baseball. Yay! Congratulations to the River Cats. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Stay tuned. <laughs> 